Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Triple A and WCW collide. You listen to them. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Boom, there it is. Hello, 83 Weeks fans. Welcome to the show that is all yours. It's just for you. This is where we break down all the myths debunked, the big reveals. We get your fan reactions to the latest episode of 83 Weeks talking about when worlds collide. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We do have the live chat rolling. I want to say hi to Matthew and everybody else who's chilling there. We do want you guys to chime in and let us know what you thought about this episode of the show. And uh, make sure you join us every Monday live at 5 p.m. Pacific. Hit that subscribe button while you're there so you don't miss any of these fancy clips from our show because Eric Bischoff joins us via Skype most of the time and answers your questions. He unfortunately is doing a little business tonight, but he will be back next week right here on this show, live at 5, answering your questions, so make sure you join us, because we'll be getting him for the full show, and he'll answer your questions from this episode and last week's episode. So, uh, housekeeping aside, <laughs> I'm sure you guys don't want to listen to me ramble on this for This week hour. and next week's episode. Yes. Double Q&A. This week's and next week's episode. I should have introduced them sooner, because apparently I needed help there. Uh, so you are hearing the voices of Eric's digital producer, Steve Kaufman. Why, hello. Um, I don't have the Photoshop thing on my thing. I have to change the thumbnail. It's a whole thing. Okay, I'm going to blame you for that, what happened earlier. And uh, maybe this guy a little bit. We call him the Encyclopedia of Sports Entertainment. He's also a professional wrestler. Say hello to George Hermosa. Say hello to me, and I will say hello to you back. Uh, so sweet. They are saying hello in the chat. Blast Thunder. Ben, hi. The Alex Luca. Oh, nope. oh no. We're not <laughs> nope. going to say hey, hi. He's not in the uh, chat. Don't worry Let's keep it. it clean here, people. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, we like to entertain ourselves. And this was a pretty entertaining episode of 83 Weeks, talking about when worlds collide. Those worlds colliding, of course, WCW and AAA. And Eric revealed that this whole thing was really, I picture him as a sort of a mad scientist, was just kind of one big fat experiment in how to advertise a show to the Mexican audience, basically. I was a little curious myself. He kept talking about it was, it was an experiment, but I don't think he ever said if he if it was success or a failure he just kept saying oh we were trying things out like but maybe maybe it was a failure because he never did another one of those these kind of events yeah but at least with triple a is his intention was not really for it to be a huge monetary success right but you would think that if it was why not keep going mm-hmm. right um. I think by the fact that it wasn't a huge monetary success, or the fact that he didn't do more leads me to believe that it wasn't a huge monetary success. But I think what he was doing, and he was in such a sandbox at at this time, that success could mean multiple different things for this event. That it's, well, I tried to branch into this market. I got to see a new talent pool. I got to promote a new talent pool. I got to kind of get my name on some stuff. I got to bring money. There's a lot of stuff Eric did 
with this experiment that paid out tenfold on everything else he did. Right. And the fact that he mentioned several times they didn't put that many resources into mm-hmm. it. So really, I mean, you can't place your expectations too high when you haven't put the money in to get the output. And especially so, like, it's, at first, for whatever reason, I thought it was kind of like a cross-promotion, but and now that I look back, I'm like, there wasn't really that much, if any, just one WCW talent. You know, yeah. it was mostly just AAA produced by WCW. Which, and like, not even completely produced by WCW so much as, it sounds at least sounds like it was... Well, we're going to use our connections with a pay-per-view company to get you on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And then you, because AAA was still producing television. It's not like they've never dealt with TVs and cameras. and Like, they've televised mm-hmm. TV shows. So what they really had was, like, I don't think WCW put up very much money. Other Let's, than, like, political capital. I want to dramatize what you're saying a little bit here, Steve. I want to see if we can pull the people in here. Because Please. there was great. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline danger of Eric and WCW building up AAA here in the United States and then possibly AAA taking WCW shine a little bit and taking some of their fans or some of their money away. Uh, what did he call it? Like feeding the... I don't know, feeding the person who tries to eat. I don't know. You guys know what I mean. But really, Eric wasn't concerned about that because, according to him, AAA wasn't that much of a threat. I mean, I don't think at the time it was, especially me as a fan back then. Granted, I wasn't in the country at this time. But, like, yeah, it was always about WWF and WCW. Like, there was no... AAA was on. I remember watching it, you know, when I was a kid on, like, Galavision and some of the other channels. But I never thought of it as, like, oh, here comes AAA to take down WWF or WCW. Well, I think the only people, at least looking back, I don't know how we could have felt as adults at the time. But I think the only people who were really looking at this as, oh, he's trying to crown his number three was Dave Meltzer. Like, I don't... (laughs) But also, I think if he... I think Eric gets a lot of flack for being someone who tried to poison the industry. Mm-hmm. And, like, Vince McMahon's quote was always that he gleefully raided ECW's locker room and then didn't give them anything back. Whereas Vince McMahon, this generous god, gave ECW a bunch of talent and, like, had a working exchange with them. Whereas the reality is, like, Eric works with AAA, Eric works with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, yeah. I think worldwide pro wrestling is healthier because of Eric Bischoff, more so than Vince McMahon. Who, at a certain point, especially post post WCW ever existing, really just wanted to take all the talent, just to take all the talent. But also, especially too, even if the the narrative was to try to make AAA into the number three company, that's not really a bad thing either. Because we saw the same thing with New Japan a couple weeks, a couple years ago, where New Japan suddenly is trying to infiltrate the American pay per view system. Hence, why they brought in Jim Ross to begin with to to, to commentate that one specific pay per view. And I think they were number two for a little bit until AEW came around and they by default became uh, number two. But yeah, I mean, I, at the time, it a little bit different because business was completely different back then as opposed to it is now. Yeah, well, it was. It was very different. And the answer that we didn't really get from Eric, though Conrad kind of posed the question, was why AAA over any other promotion, uh, any other Latino promotion or any other promotion worldwide? Can you guys maybe 
guess as to why? What made AAA the right choice at this time for this experiment? I just think numbers. I mean, L.A. obviously being one of the biggest markets in all of the country, maybe even quote unquote, uh, maybe all over the world. Me being in L.A., had I would have been in the country at this time, I would have been at the show. I wasn't. I wasn't around. Um, I would have been at the show. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I just didn't know about it. George wants us very much to care about his personal life and no, care about cause, him. Because I'm born and raised um, in L.A. and people are probably like, because people are probably like, oh, how come you didn't go to the show if it was such a big show? I would have gone if I would have if I was around. <laughs> we we weren't taking the bait, George. No, I'm just, I, I was know. I was trying just, to prevent you from giving us any more personal details. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's a fun aspect that we have here uh, is kind of your little your little insider tidbits. But you did go to other WCW house shows in L.A. around this in '97, so not. Yeah, in 97. (laughs) And 96, I actually had a question for him for next week, because there was another kind of similar cross-promotion show that did happen in L.A. about a year and a half later that I won't ask him about um, that I didn't want to kind of follow up on. There was Mexican, Japanese, WCW talent as well. Like, what was about that show that maybe didn't want him to be on pay-per-view or televised in any way at all? Mm -hmm. Because this one was, the One Worlds Collide. My my question to him is specifically... which promotions did he see as worthy of doing business with in this way and which didn't? Mm-hmm. ECW specifically. Because we now, we now know, looking in the rear view, that ECW got pay-per-view in 97 and became a pretty big deal until they closed in 2001. But in 93, 94, they still had television. They were still making a lot of noise. Was Were they on his radar? Did he have any interest yeah. in? Cause, and also, I'm, I think he didn't get into it enough this week of, my opinion of this time is that a rising tide would raise all the ships. So that if AAA does better, more wrestlers work out in AAA and could possibly come to WCW. Mm-hmm. If New Japan does better, wrestling does better in Japan, and then there's a possibility, because they partnered, WCW could do more business in Japan. Or in the whole continent of Asia, where New Japan actually has a footprint and can do business. That it, At least from Eric's standpoint, rising tides could raise all the ships, and if wrestling is healthier, if wrestling is better, not just the WWE, not just one company... Wrestling. Anyone who promotes wrestling. Yeah. That could be good. That could be best for anyone. Checking in a little bit with our chat. Roll Blast Thunder said, once you've seen one Mexican Lucha Libre style match, you have seen them all. That's not true. The style has cha- has evolved, though, over the years, right? Talk a, to us about this. A little this. bit. I mean, when I first was exposed to that kind of uh, style, I was blown away. But yeah, you're right. It has evolved to the point where you can watch Triple Mania now, which is you know Triple H's version of WrestleMania, and there's a little bit of everything similar to a WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom or one of those big time shows. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I disagree with that comment that he made. <laughs> <laughs> which you are allowed to do, but keep those comments coming, do we, everybody. Do we think um, Kyra was? I don't want to say he was grasping at straws, but he was trying very very hard to make the comparison to WCW helping AAA. To being very similar to Ring of Honor helping AEW, yeah, and I, I think it's a little too hypothetical and in the in the weeds, but I do I do think it gets to the broader point that maybe Eric disagrees with how Vince does business in today's market. Mm-hmm. That Vince thinks, oh, the WWE is wrestling, therefore WWE needs to grow, whereas Eric must think wrestling is a business that multiple people can do. Mm-hmm. For our chat role who may not be familiar, maybe they're living back there in the 90s as far as their wrestling goes. What is going on right now with Ring of Honor and AEW, or what is the working together that you referred to? Well, the working together was specifically for All In, the very first. AEW wasn't in. AEW's name came later, but All In. They weren't All In just yet. (laughs) Well, they were All In, but they were like Tony Khan wasn't All In. They weren't All Elite. Yeah, Tony Khan wasn't All In yet. 
because and that only happened because Ring of Honor worked with them, NWA worked with them to allow them to put on All In, which allowed for Ring of Honor to do more business, allowed NWA to do more business, allowed Tony Khan to realize there's business to be had mm-hmm. and create another wrestling television show that I think it's a mindset thing. Because, I mean, I think another thing that he's kind of straight trying to say, too, where All In was just All In. It wasn't AEW presents All In. It wasn't some other... It wasn't even Ring of Honor presented All In. Even though Ring of Honor owns the footage, yeah. All In is on Ring of Honor's little network that they have. Uh, but it was never Ring of Honor presents. It's just, it's just All In. Mm-hmm. And I think the failure is Ring of Honor should have been Ring of Honor presents All In because... They should have insisted on having yeah, that branding. Because yeah, because essentially not many, not many people affiliate... That show with Ring of Honor because Ring of Honor was like, oh yeah, you get we we can help you promote it, but yeah, you don't have to put our name on it. Like I don't know, it, just, it was a well, little I weird think they that they didn't clown, do that. But I think that they also clowned them a little, and we have to come back to where all in was. What, like that point in time, it was a couple of wrestlers who got challenged by Dave Meltzer that you couldn't sell ten thousand tickets, and they went, okay, let's let's take that bet. Like that doesn't sound to me like the the startings of the number two promotion in the U.S. That sounds like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Cody taking a bet with with Dave Meltzer. It wasn't until after one event that they actually got Tony Khan's money. Yeah. And like actually built a thing. So if I were Ring of Honor, I don't think there's as much criticism to be had. Because I don't think they I don't think they really thought that a new promotion was going to come out of all in. Mm-hmm. And, and how much of Tony Khan's money is he spending? Eric guessed on this episode that they're running at about 400k a week right now for AEW mm-hmm. to keep the wrestlers on the roster to produce this live show that their general costs overall almost a half a million wait. Yeah, is that right? <laughs> almost a half a million dollars a week. Math is not my strong point. Um what do you guys think about that? I mean, obviously, Eric is the guy who would know. I mean, there's always been the big rumor. I don't know how accurate it is that it pretty much takes around 500000 to produce an episode of Raw live. Half a million? Yeah, like that. that I think that number's <laughs> kind of been thrown around a lot. So you would kind of think, like, with the way AEW is, like, obviously, it looks good. Not as good as WWE, and that's not a knock on them. Yeah, maybe production value is a little bit less, so... Maybe it's, they're just going for a more Raw look. Maybe. Hmm. But I don't... I wonder, because he's just speculating how much he thinks TV probably costs around this time. I wonder how much of that, that 400k a week is covered by TNT, but also how much of that do they make back in ticket sales, in merch sales. Um, they shoot two separate shows every week, AEW and AEW Dark. Mm-hmm. So I know they're, I know a YouTube show's, I know from experience, a YouTube show's not going to make as much as a TNT show would in advertising, but it's not going to make nothing. Yeah, I'll go with that. Double negative. Mm. Double double negatives and all. It's late. (laughs) Having a hard time concentrating. They're hitting us where it really hurts here in the chat roll. A couple of people comparing the show to WWE. I I would rather have the, you know, sexually explicit insults than to be told that this is like WWE. I'm just kidding, people. Trying to liven y'all up up there. Come on, guys. We are talking about AEW. I know you have an opinion. (laughs) Let us know what it is. Eric is busy with a business dinner tonight, but he will be back for the full show next week. So save your questions and tell us what you think about the idea of WCW and AAA being like the odd couple. Who would be Oscar and who would be Felix there? 
Wow. <laughs> I have no idea what you're referring to. I've heard, ah, the, I've, I've heard the name. Mr. Encyclopedia of Pro Wrestling. Not, not, not a, so not, much on the TV land, no, are we? No. I don't think I've ever watched any black and white television show, except for I Love Lucy a few times. But, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I, I, I would have liked to not... You kind of look back and you're like, man, there, there could have been a lot of synergy here. Because we did eventually see guys like Rey Mysterio and Conan and a lot of the, the guys that were on this show. But I think Eric... I, I like that he made it a point where it says, I didn't get anybody from this show. I wasn't, rec- I wasn't here to recruit. If anything, guys like Eddie Guerrero or, or you know other people, I got them because of our relationship with New Japan. Yeah. Not because of, the, of this specific show, even though we did see pretty much half this roster on WCW. It wasn't until like two years later when Conan kind of set that up. Conan's pretty much responsible for 99% of any Latin wrestlers in, in the U.S., to be honest with you, and I give him much props for all the time. He actually responded to me one time when I... Gave him props on Twitter. Sorry, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm changing the thumbnail to one that doesn't include Eric at all. Yeah, you guys, we are giving you an opportunity to hang out with a bunch of other wrestling fans here and give us your opinions, which we are going to read on the air. Uh, Eric himself enjoyed our episode last week where he did join us and answered a ton of questions about his WWE exit. So you guys can check that out in the meantime. Hope you do. And if you enjoy this episode of 83 Weeks, which I assume is why you are here, then let us know what stood out to you about it. There was a little conversation about the minis wrestling. Minis, I think, is a great word to use in 2019. <laughs> Although Eric admits, as he has before, that it always made him uncomfortable. I think this idea that the minis and even that Lucha Libre or that Mexican-style wrestling was more comical is something that in 2019 we see as being an insult, right? Do you have feelings about this, George? I can see no, them creeping I mean, it, up on it, your it, face. It's, it's not too different than like how they viewed the women. Like A lot of times the women were just there for like bra and panties. You like know? a spectacle. You know what I mean? And, and, and so, like, yeah, if you're going to treat the minis like a joke, like obviously people are going to treat them like a joke. But like, there's no reason why the minis couldn't be like a legit, like wow like look at these guys wrestle like because some of these guys were like amazing yeah i think it's a historic i think um mini wrestlers as we'll call them uh have a historical problem that early on in the wrestling they were an afterthought it was the the midgets and the ladies is what the poster was was, was the carnival the carnival act so it's it's hard for them to transition from a carnival act to a serious act they did for the women but that's that was that's what i'm going to say in 2019 i think and I don't know what the talent pool is like, but I do think there could be a resurgence of mini wrestling, junior. I mean, they had junior a, featherweight. They, wrestling. I want to say they had like a micro championship wrestling out there. They did. I believe wasn't it on the wasn't it on CMT though? Probably. I think it was on CMT and Eric may have produced it. Because even like <laughs> even like in, in, WC, in uh, WWF when they brought in like the whole AAA thing in '97, they had like mini Mankind, mini Vader, yeah. mini Undertaker. Like yeah. that can kind of work if you done if you do it correctly. Well, and even a little bit later in the in the time of Hornswoggle, there Hornswoggle was so over that there was a mini Boogeyman. That WLC match with Hornswoggle and Torito was like literally one of the best matches that year. Yeah, because they can work, and you can. Oh put them, my god, that match is the, great! If you put them in a position to actually work, you can, they can because it's wrestling. Like it's not rocket science. You mm-hmm. two dude, like two athletes, get it in there, and they work for a com- like. That they, match was so great. That WL, that WLC match was like oh my god. That I I think I don't know if it's a like I don't maybe there are only three Hornswoggles. <laughs> In all of in all of wrestling currently, and that's why we don't see it. But my yeah. inclination, because that's what they said in the early '90s when you were like 
That's what they said in the early 90s when you would have one Alondra Blaze and then a bunch of Nitro Girls. That's what Eric always says, yeah. It's like, oh, well, that talent's just not out there. And now Mm -hmm. we know that either a bunch of women grew up watching Alondra Blaze or we weren't looking. I think think it's a ladder. I think people weren't looking. Because you go to Japan, you look at mad talent. Yeah, like Aja Kong, Akira Hokuto, Manami Toyota, like... They they treated that like they did it for the men. Yeah, like they brought in a lot of a lot of Japanese male talent. Great Muda, Masachono, Tenzan. Like they brought them in. Why not bring in these Japanese women to do so? AEW's doing it right now. Like they're just a lot of things that happen today and with women's wrestling are just something that should have been happening twenty twenty five years ago. Although, hear me out. If we're starting a junior featherweight league right now, which I think that's what we should call them, if we're starting that league right now. We're starting that federation right now. It needs to be kept separate. Separate but equal is, is my uh, my thought I can on, this on the, the junior featherweight division. Because what would lose me is if you put Hornswoggle up against the big show. Because then, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. then it becomes a joke. That's true. Then you're not presenting it as real sport. You can if you're you can present it as real sport by saying, I don't know, height and weight. There's weight. There's height and weight classes that we shouldn't expect the Hornswoggle to hang. Well, they're doing that for the 205 show. Live. Like we're not seeing. Tony Nese against, you know, Great Khali. Ugh, no one's seeing anything if it's happening on 205 Live. (laughs) How about this idea, guys? I love it when Eric gets sassy, and I love it when he takes the credit that he deserves, and especially with what's gone down with him in the last few weeks. I love to hear him say, quote, I actually did elevate Lucha Libre to the highest (laughs) level that it had been at at this time. I heard that. Uh, Thoughts? (laughs) I heard that, and I know what he meant. I think we all know what he meant. But that quote by itself <laughs> could be could be kind of harmful. <laughs> I agree. I, I mean, you, like you said, agree with yeah, it? Yeah, like I, I, to me, Lucha Libre wasn't really relevant until it was brought into WCW. Again, a, a bigger part I think is Conan. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was Eric's show that was that was featuring a lot of these these Lucha Libre talent. And again, I didn't know who. I knew Rey Mysterio was, but, like, just barely. But I didn't know who, like, Super Close, Psychosis, Psychosis, but, like, uh, Juventus Like, I didn't know a lot of these guys until, like, I didn't watch them in ECW. Mm-hmm. I wasn't watching every week AAA. It wasn't until, like, man, like, these guys are killing it on Nitro. Like, yeah, I, I 100% agree with what Bishop's saying. Well, kind of going off this, we're a little little off topic from 83 weeks, but let's go with it. SPQR101010 <laughs> said, do you think wrestling will ever get back to the attitude slash ECW style, or is there just not enough money in that? Although he does point out that the PG thing does not seem to be doing well. I either. think he needs to elaborate on his question because it depends on what he's looking for. Uh, attitude era ECW, like in what ways? Like tits and ass like the cursing or just the just the way of producing the show because i think a lot of times those specific shows there was a lot of spontaneity to it that doesn't really exist these days i think it it can get back to that but the wrestling style and the actual matches that were booked were different from what we see nowadays as well i think that doesn't matter i I think it's just the presentation of the actual show itself you can you can do any match you want it's just how you present it also everyone talks about the attitude style go on the WWE network and watch a random raw from 1998 it's garbage I, as a whole show it's garbage like there's plenty of great people doing plenty of great stuff but like by and large you watch an, you watch anything WWE produces this week let's say you never you're never going to watch it start to finish and be like man that was that was hot garbage like and even nobody like, nobody had any forethought post thought like any like it's all over the place whereas attitude an attitude era like a Vince Russo attitude era show is completely all over the place and we liked it for different reasons yeah, and but, if you want to see what that would look like in 2019 I think Vince Russo has a Venmo 
<laughs> and, and if you even, give him enough money, he'll probably start you even, a production. You even look, about, look back at the spontaneity. One of the reasons why uh, this past SmackDown was so fantastic, aside from the obvious, because it all looked like, and it, it legit was, like, last minute, oh, my God, was this supposed to happen? Like, oh, my God, NXT talent's coming in. Like, we're literally, they're literally putting the show together, <laughs> like, at the last no i don't watch smackdown so let me see if i can guess this correctly okay. uh wwe strands a ton of its talent <laughs> in saudi arabia yeah. so they're forced to bring wrestlers up from nxt mm-hmm. who i'm sure were very excited and deserving of the opportunities yeah. to fill in the roster and then made it creatively into a storyline that NXT was invading yes. SmackDown? Yeah. Because, well, yes. they announced the day before that NXT is one of the three brands fighting on Survivor Series. And then Adam Cole. Oh, that's cool. And then Adam Cole beat Daniel Bryan. <gasps> Adam Cole beat Daniel but, Bryan but, on SmackDown? But, but my oh, point I, is, like, there's they, a whole separate li- show they here. literally <laughs> put the show together. Like, I, from rumor has it, Shayna Baszler didn't show up to the yeah. arena until, like, 10 minutes before her segment. Well, no, they were all in Orlando the night before. I don't yeah, like what I'm saying, like, like, a lot of that show was put together almost as if it was spontaneously, spontaneously, whatever, spontaneously, spontaneously. spontaneously put together. <laughs> again, that's the attitude error that I want to see, the one that you make it seem like. And again, this is something that Eric always talks about where it's like, wow, was that supposed to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, I can care less about the the the, the curse words and you know the the cause I don't, we I think we can all agree we're perfectly fine with never seeing another bra and panties match you know that's what the attitude error is to me when people think like oh man it's going to go back to that. it doesn't need to go back well to I that. think mm-hmm. the attitude error was pure spontaneity whereas once you become a worldwide television product like the WWE is or like AEW wants to be you lose the ability to plan spontaneity. How do yeah. you how do you plan spontaneity? I'm sure at any given week in the wrestling sphere, there are plenty of op- there are plenty of examples of times that they planned spontaneity, but because the product is presented in a cookie cutter, mm-hmm. it's it's real hard to actually do plan do spontaneity in the way that unless it, they're forced into it as they were last yeah. week. That's not something that they're going for. Yeah, I. I, and I think that's part of the problem, too, or not part of the problem, but part of the answer is... Like, they, they never would have sat down and said, oh, man, so great to have everybody back from Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. uh, full roster tonight. You know what? Let's let's just bring all those NXT yeah, folks exactly, up for some spontaneity. Like, that would have never happened. Because even during Crown Jewel, it was like, oh, tomorrow on SmackDown, tune in to watch Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin. Tune in to watch the episode of Miz TV. It's like, no, what we ended up getting was Daniel Bryan versus Adam Cole, Tommaso Ciampa versus The Miz. Like, just wow. cool things, you yeah. know? Um, Tegan Knox, and this is a whole separate show. I want to. There's a whole separate show I want to do. She was on TV, which Tia, is Tia, which is Tegan us. and Rhea against uh, oh Sony, Sonya and Mandy. Oh. All our friends. All right, might might have to uh, roll back. Is that stuff still on Hulu? Um, How do you I know? They, I know they replayed on Fox Sports One because they replayed it on I after the backstage. Still on Hulu. I because there's... I can bring this back to 83 weeks because it chaps my butt hard that I have to keep my subscription. It's it's fine. Trust me. <laughs> to keep my subscription because I want to watch the pay per views that Eric is talking about on this show, but. I go to watch <laughs> When Worlds Collide this morning and cannot find it anywhere on the WWE network that I'm paying WWE for, which makes me mad in the first place. Explain. How many minutes into ECW When's World, When Worlds Collide were you were you until you realized that's not what we were covering? Oh no, I at least didn't make that mistake. Okay. No, no, no. ECW? 
There's an ECW One World to collide. No, but it's I could. The, I well, there's, there's the One World collide that they did on WrestleMania. Like, on WrestleMania also weekend, that, too. The there are weekend. a lot of One Worlds collide on the WWE Network that aren't the AAA one. I mean, I hate to admit on the air that I didn't watch what we're well, talking any, about. Anybody, I tried. No, I mean, I, I blamed WWE for that and a whole but, lot of other but stuff. Even, but even anybody that's watching here and is like has a vast DVD collection like I do, like two of these matches are available on WWE-produced DVDs. Mm-hmm. The the best match of everybody talks about, the Hijo de Santo and Octagon against Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar. That's on like the first Eddie Guerrero DVD, the mm-hmm. cheating, cheating, or and the, stealing life, and the Ray Mysterio DVD is one of his DVDs. But um, and the Conan Cage match is on their YouTube page, mm-hmm. WWE's YouTube page, WWE's YouTube page, or they use content oh, wow. ID to make money, but I, not. I didn't you, know that. That's yeah, news to me. You can um, for sure, but find I'm sure that. a lot of these show, a lot of these matches are available on. YouTube, I'm yes. sure. Yes, they are. I know there's a lot of Mexican wrestling that's available on YouTube. But yeah, anybody who's got the DVD, yeah, that tag match was just totally insane. Like, it was just one of the best tag match I've ever seen in my life. Let's talk a little bit about the matches that we did get on Worlds Collide. Eddie, stand out to you guys in particular. Eric didn't have a whole lot to say about the actual matches. Yeah, there's really that much. It was like a, kind of like an in-your-house kind of card. Like the old mm-hmm. school in-your-houses were just kind of five, six matches. But another match was that, that six-way with Madonna's boyfriend who was... Luis Piccoli. Okay. Uh, yes, and- I googled that. I just couldn't. Oh, really? Yeah, you should have given me a sec. Because I'm like, Madonna's boyfriend. Yeah, oh my god. Um, it's like last week with Ray Mysterio and Jennifer Aniston. Now we're talking about Madonna <laughs> in the 90s. I love it. Yeah, but that was a good match. But yeah, that, that, that mask versus hair match was just, just one of the best matches you will ever see. Look at the show. Noted. <laughs> I mean, if I could find it, I would watch it. On that note, this uh, episode of 83 Weeks wraps up with Eric saying, admitting that he watched the show on tape, but then also kind of throwing out at the end of his comments that he was there. I assume he was too busy doing business? Maybe. Just because I kind of say what he uh, what he said last week when I asked him about what what, do you, what does he think his, his uh, the best WCW match was, where it's yeah. like, he's there to work, he's there to produce, he's there to direct, he's there to do all those things that an executive does. So you have, he has like different blinders on as far as like how to watch what he's producing. And then maybe like, oh, well, let me see how it turned out. Let me see, you know, like, I don't know. That's how I kind of took it It was similar to when we talked to him about Collision in Korea. And we had to to literally hammer him down. Like, what were you doing that day? And he was like, I was in the press box. Like, not the press box, but he was like, I was in the dignitary box. Just watching a wrestling show. because being Eric Bischoff. Well, because all of the TV production stuff. Like, he, and he came up as an announcer. It's not like he came up as a technical director to become executive producer. So he's, it's not like he was ever actually involved in... The nuts, the bolts, the cameras, the crew. Like he was never actually involved in a technical side of pro wrestling to begin with. Then I think if he did, if he does his job right, he probably gets to kind of hang out and watch a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Well, we should talk a little bit about one of the performers in particular, Art Bar, who I honestly was not super familiar with. He passed away a little over two weeks after this. So this was kind of his last big hurrah. What do you know, Mister Encyclopedia, about Art? Art bar. Well, even though he's got this Lucha Libre thing, he's an Oregon guy, so he's from Portland. <laughs> oh. um, I remember I was doing a documentary with Sean Stasiak in 2007, and we went to Portland, Oregon, to talk to his father, Sandy Bar, but he had passed away like right around the time we wanted to do a documentary, or we, we went up to Oregon. Um, but yeah, just Art Bar. Uh, he, I think, around this time he was getting looked at by, as well by WWF. I think Pritch- Pritchard said that before. Oh, interesting. Um, so he kind of this kind of match put him put him like in, in demand mm-hmm. but obviously unfortunately he passed away 
but hell of a worker. Like, if anybody can see more matches of his, just obviously aside from this one, like, yeah, his frog splash was just, like, wicked. I think there was a lot of... I first heard about Art Bar around the time we lost Eddie, because mm-hmm. there was a lot of... In the internet wrestling community, everyone has their own opinion, and one of the opinions was <laughs> that Rey Mysterio shouldn't have been doing the frog splash. Mm-hmm. Or, I believe Rey Mysterio was working with Randy Orton, mm-hmm. in, like, a Randy Orton's a big bad heel who thinks Eddie died, because, like... Uh, storylines were completely different in 04. It was wild. But, like, there were a lot of, um, there were a lot of storylines like that where they were kind of exploiting Eddie's death on TV. And I think partially it's because it happened so suddenly and the plan was for him to win at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So you had to slot Ray in and then have a reason to slot Ray in. But there was a lot of talk specifically about this guy that, like, no, no, Eddie did the frog splash and only the frog splash in honor of him. Mm-hmm. So he, I don't think it, I don't think it translates for, uh, Ray to now be doing the fro- frog splash. Was a lot of the arguments people were making at the time. They were wrong because can, they can do whatever moves that they want to do. That's how I felt. <laughs> also, also, nothing but I have ga- enjoyed this little history lesson. Yeah, but nothing right? against our bar, nothing against our bar. But like, we know Eddie for that frog splash. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't fix that. And like, I'm sure if you were to have have, have asked Eddie in an interview in 03, that's the first he first thing he would have told you was that it's our bars. Yeah, yeah. but you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think our bar revolutionized the the, the frog splash. But he definitely had one <laughs> of the best ones. <laughs> Well, go back and check that out, guys. We usually get a ton of what I call dirt sheet debunks on the show, and there were several this week, but it was like <laughs> there were too many for Eric to even get mad <laughs> until he did get mad. It's funny because like a lot of times there's like Meltzer, this Meltzer, that on the same week that like Meltzer had to retract the statement that he made. Did you hear about that? About Eric? No, no, no. about just in general, like about something that happened uh, at Raw. How, he was forced to admit. Okay, that he okay. Was so wrong? since we're since we're here and we still have some time, <laughs> so uh, it, it's, you'll love this one. So apparently there was a backstage meeting before Raw. Yeah, uh, oh, I'm yes. sure I'm sure the chat knows about this too. There was a backstage meeting before Raw. He says like, oh, it was uh, you know Vince McMahon was talking about the whole Saudi Arabia thing. If anybody had any questions, and apparently Seth Rollins. Uh, said something. Because we all know when well, Vince no, says, well, no, no. does anyone have no, no, any no. questions? Listen, listen, listen. You should definitely and ask so, him a question. And so Seth Rollins was like, hey, kind of giving a raw, a quote, was a raw, raw speech. You know, saying, hey, guys, you know, if you guys want to be here, you know, the, the typical, like, locker room leader speech, right? Yeah. So Meltzer was like, yeah, you know, so this happened. Uh, Rollins gave a speech, a raw, raw speech. And Seth Rollins tweeted, yeah, I never said anything. Never once said anything. And even, like, he kind of doubled down on his audio show. Uh-huh. It was like, oh, because even, like, Seth Rollins said, I never said anything. Meltzer, you're wrong. Hashtag raw raw. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Meltzer kind of doubled down with Brian Alvarez on, on the audio show. And then, like, Rollins still tweeted back. He's like, hey, like, I don't know Stop why you're... saying Yeah, this, exactly. Dude. Like, either you're being fed wrong information or you're just, a, like, a something really bad that he said. Like, I hope it's the latter. I hope you're just getting bad information. Yeah, like- to the point where Meltzer was like... Like, I'm sorry, like, we have to retract my statement on what Rollins said. And some said. C-lister backstage is <laughs> laughing their ass off that they got Meltzer to report mm-hmm. this stuff and stick to it. Zack Ryder is having such a good day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think it's Zack Ryder. Like, but, like, but it just kind of goes back, like you said, like, 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 just about all these things that Meltzer says. It's like, like, sometimes you don't just have to automatically assume because of one thing. Oh, Eric's is this, so this must be happening. Or, oh, because of this, that must be. Oh, they're clearly trying to be the number three promotion or even number two. Like, no, man, like, just, that doesn't have to always be like that. I do think part of the problem is Dave Meltzer, for a very long time, cornered the market on 
anything anyone saying anything of any credibility yeah about the wrestling business he was the most credible of all the incredible people he can yeah. be that's the thing he can be because he's a great like he journalist is right sometimes maybe. <laughs> or like he or he doesn't want to give up a so, like there i think there's some information that he has mm-hmm. that he couldn't put out the way he'd like to without without like completely burning a source Oh, I don't so, think he cares about that. No, I, I think he absolutely cares about burning a source because I think he still wants sources. Like people still talk to Dave Meltzer, mm-hmm. but why? But like, what, what do people like? I always thought, what do wrestlers have to? I gain mean, when by, it like, comes down Mento? to it, and WWE wants to hire an insider, he's not the guy they're going to. So if, why keep doing it? If I went through any variation of what the roster went through Thursday into Friday, mm-hmm. and I'm not stating I know anything about anything other than what we know that they were stuck on a tarmac for a very long time, they had to go back to their hotel to then go back onto a plane and miss the thing they were booked for the next night. Mm-hmm. Like, that happened. I'm not going to talk about right. what, like who could have pulled those strings or not, and was it a mechanical failure? I'm not going to get into that. But if I went through all of that, and I didn't like Seth Rollins a little, or I just thought, or I just wanted to laugh. Oh, you're talking about the motive of whoever put the, that out there to Meltzer. If Sometimes people like to watch the world burn. Yeah. Or sometimes people... Sometimes people who just kind of vent to Meltzer and don't see anything or don't want, want to kind of... Like, oh, screw Rollins and his rah-rah speech. Because I think, every, cause I think and everyone... And Meltzer goes, wait, what? Yeah, because like, mm-hmm. I think everyone talks mm-hmm. to Meltzer and it's it's what Meltzer reports that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That if it were me, I would be curious to see, well, if, what would I... What stories would what narratives would I have to already play into to get him to report it? Because mm-hmm. there's probably a bunch of other stuff they're telling him that he's not reporting on because he either doesn't want to burn a source or he wants to verify it with or three he other sources knows it's or crap. Or he knows you're feeding him. He knows he knows you're feeding him garbage anyway. Mm-hmm. But that would be one of those things that if you really read the Observer and then try to feed him stuff, you know where his narrative is because the narrative on Seth Rollins for the last couple of weeks has been he's like a mini Triple H. Yeah. Without. You know the wife, essentially, <laughs> like, but like without the pedi- the pedigree. Pardon my pun to be inside mm-hmm. to have the inside track to have the credibility to speak to the locker room. Because my whole thing is like, he, okay, at the end of the day, like Meltzer runs a business. He's got a newsletter. He's got a thing that people right. pay for. It's like, so how do you make people keep paying for that stuff? Like, you can't just like, and you would know, like, you can't. You, you people want the juicy stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. they want the juice. Like, you're not gonna make you're not gonna make money from a business if you don't feed them the juice. Like, you just have to. Like, mm-hmm. and so again, he's no different. Like, he's gonna take something and just gonna say like, and I get it. Like, I not to say I respect or disrespect him, but I get it. Like, that's just his business. Yeah, that's why he runs his business. Yeah, let him run it. Let him run it. Our chat rule, David Byrne wants to know: Do you guys buy that Eric's claims that Dave is just literally making things? I up? wouldn't say I do a hundred percent. I wouldn't say making things up. It's just that taking a small nugget of information mm-hmm. and literally like taking everything that can can conform from that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he's just best guessing. And, and again, and a lot of it, the best guess is him making stuff up. I think, I think someone called him on Tuesday and told him Seth Rollins had a rah rah speech mm-hmm. trying to be Triple H. Mm-hmm. Someone told him that, so he reported that someone told him that it fit the narrative that we all kind of feel about Seth Rollins in the moment. Yeah. So even if he believes it to be false, he still reports it that someone told me mm-hmm. because someone told me. Even even though that's you know. Probably I, not the case. I think with, I look like I'm at the little kids' table. Now. I think with, <laughs> I think, I think, with, I think with Eric's thing, it's just like he's so full of like just comments. Like, right. like I, 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 I've never been a subscriber to the newsletter. I've never been like not that I'm not been a fan. I just I never did. Right. So like, 
with him, it's like, I want the news. I don't want your opinion. I don't want to know what you think about Peyton Royce. Yes. You know? Like, because that yes. whole thing was the thing on its own. Like, I don't want to hear about that. I want to know what the facts are. Like, I don't care about the juice. Just tell me the facts. Yes. Also, you lose a lot of credibility with me if you cover NXT, watch it every week, and you don't know the backstage announcer's name. You don't know the backstage interviewer's name. You're... Okay, never mind. Oh! Yes! 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 I knew that was a reference was, to myself in some way, shape, or form. I was defending... I forgot about that. I was yeah, defending Dave, one of his statements really about you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, guys, Blast Thunder, David Bird, everybody in the chat, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Please, I want to know before you guys go, Clash of Champions 29 is what we're going to be talking about next week. So, right off the bat, what are the things that you are dying to know? What are the questions that, if you don't get answered in the episode, you're going to come back here and ask Eric? next week what am i wrong no it's clash of champions 29 next week i think okay good <laughs> i think george was a little not prepped on what no what I, I, just, I just don't know what the date was yeah oh, it was the 94 one yes oh, right, right around this time yeah so what can we look forward to hogan stuff <laughs> hogan stuff hogan stuff i mean it's gonna be around i think it's gonna be heavy on like the randy savage like him coming in um because right it was 94 um yes yeah so around that time like hogan coming in like Again, it's just starting to, that transition because I remember going back to what I was saying earlier. Hulk Hogan I and- wasn't in the country, and so I remember coming back. And this is just maybe it's all relative now. Like I coming back, I'm like, wait, Hogan's in WCW now, and Savage, and and Duggan, and kind Earthquake? of a big deal. Like all these guys that like I was so used to seeing in WWF. Like wait, now they're showing in WCW. So I feel like that's going to be a big focus on this episode. Oh, this is bad. I remember this. Um, Hulk Hogan, Sting. And David Sullivan Evad. against the three faces of fear, the Butcher, Avalanche, and Kevin Sullivan. Ooh. Jim Duggan defeated Steve Austin in 17 seconds. And that would be what Conrad was already kind of going in on Eric about. Cannot wait for that. And guys, don't forget, Eric will be here for our full show next week. So save all your questions from this one for next week. We'll see you live at 5 p.m. here on the 83 Weeks channel. And uh, you can also catch us on Apple Podcasts if you'd like to listen instead. And guys, if they want to hit you up personally uh, you guys hear can... more about uh, your life and where you've been you guys can find me on Twitter almost exclusively I am at Steve Kaufman that is K-A-U-F M-A-N-N I'm heavily involved in the wrestling YouTube world so if I'm tweeting link chances are I'm involved and that includes Match Monday which happens every Monday and you can follow me at G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A Twitter, Instagram all things wrestling or even other stuff too I'm free, I'm free to chat. He's a Swifty. Yeah. Hit I do me. love to say Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, God. Hit me up anytime, guys, at Christy Reports. Please also check out my YouTube channel. Uh, my lips will be there, so I know you love it. <laughs> and, uh, yes, come back next week for Eric. We will see you then. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only. They do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 